Listen to me, John. You have their power. You can make things happen by will alone. They call it tuning. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to the most officially based and red-pilled podcast. Hey, dude, just like Ted Cruz. <laughs> and just like Alex Jones. All the, yep. all, all, the, all the bad guys. All the big guys. It's so funny that they took like a big part of their identity from the trans movie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I say this all because we're talking. Oh, I'm Dan. I'm Matt. Right, Welcome to Double Feature Podcast about twin films and being... Uh, based in red pilled yeah um yeah we're talking matrix and dark city today so it's already in the zeitgeist um yeah matrix is about to come out is out today maybe and fortrix yeah this should be coming out right about this came time. out yesterday actually i hope we liked it i got I real high hopes for I, it. you know what i'm gonna tell you right now i haven't seen it yet yeah, me, <laughs> me either but i, I hope i have not I hope by the time people are hearing this that I loved it. It did everything I was waiting for. Unlikely to go to the theater on the Wednesday before Christmas to go see The Matrix. Yeah, shit. I might. Maybe I have. I gotta see I it know. Christmas weekend. Now I feel like I'm putting it. I'm putting it out there that I haven't seen it. So now I have to like. I've put a, a heavy weight on future me. Yeah, you've, you've got to change your own future. But Max, let's talk about another movie we both watched first. Yeah. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Yep. 2021, sure. directed by Sion Sono. Sure did watch it. Uh, insane Japanese movie starring Nicolas Cage. It's uh, who, who like is... samurai times. It's cowboy stuff. There's a lot it's, of um, cross it's, c- cultural blending, I yeah, guess. It's, it's surrealistic and it's impressionistic. And Seen a lot of people. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Um. This is probably going to be like one of the more like film snobby things I've ever said on this podcast and may ever say. Seeing a lot of people in their letterboxed reviews referring to it as Gonzo, but I think they're just sort of uh, using trying to use the word Gonzo to mean like wacky and like weird, not knowing that like Gonzo filmmaking is its own like thing who are these people that you're seeing a bunch of people misusing the word gonzo oh i was just scrolling through letterbox reviews <laughs> earlier today when we were and a talking. bunch of people were saying gonzo yeah a lot of people were like oh this gonzo style and stuff i'm like it's a- is that a style then that we don't understand if multiple people are using it no i think gonzo can just mean like like weird and kind of like out there but gonzo filmmaking is also its own Thing. I know about Gonzo, Gonzo journalism. journalism. Well, um, how does that relate to the filmmaking? Cannibal Holocaust is a example of like a Gonzo immer- filmmaking. Yeah, so it's, it's the same thing as Gonzo journalism. You're just doing those kind of practices to make a film by going okay. and being in, you know, right. you're fully in, in the, you're like living in the camp in Cannibal Holocaust. You're yeah. really killing an innocent turtle. Yeah, yeah, Fuck yeah. That movie. So like a lot of those movies and a lot of those like early um 
the like cannibal movies that were coming out around the same time yeah. cannibal holocaust is it's interspersed with you know just a bunch of weirdo italian dudes went to africa and were like right. we're gonna just shoot footage of uh if you're familiar with uh red letter media they went and shot the rodeo but it was with tribes in africa and um uh that kind of thing but they're not wrong in using gonzo in in, in the other sense of the word of just being wild because it is a wild movie Prisoners yeah you of can't Ghostland. you can't get your bearings at any point like no there's every, a lot of everybody i watched it with didn't like it and they were constantly asking like what is this supposed to mean or what's going on here and i just kept in my mind like guys stop i can't believe you're watching this movie you're watching the same movie i am and you think you're gonna get a definite answer about what the rules of this movie are just yeah like let i don't i don't know i guess i'm better than uh the average film viewer at just letting a movie wash over me and accepting it for what it is like if it's not telling me stuff it's not because i missed it it's because like i said this movie wants to be impressionistic basically if i know that something's directed by a good director even if the movie's maybe a mess i just like accept everything about it i'm not like worried and figuring out like there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense in this movie but you just like yeah it's good yeah there obviously there's um the suspension of disbelief is something that is integral to film watching in general um or i mean ingesting really any sort of like media but um there's definitely a lot of stuff in this that would make it hard for somebody who isn't like good at like really turning off that sort of you know really I leaning a, i think a lot suspension. of people didn't it didn't work for i'm looking at it right now it's got a 2.6 on letterbox not great that's about i don't think I, a ton of people have seen it though either. give it a three I gave it a three. And you a gave half. it a three and a half. So you liked it a, a little bit more than I did. I could be talked into a three and a half. A three and a half versus a three to me on like a letterbox rating is minimal. Oh. It's like one or two things for me. Prisoners of the Ghostland didn't get to like three and a half, just because like um, there are some parts when it's being really wild and Nicolas Cage and Cyan Sono are like really like on the same page and he's acting really weird and really leaning into Cyan Sono's like really bizarre ideas and bill mosley's doing weird stuff and all the people are doing all their like weird stuff it works really really well and like it is soaring so high but the times where it really lulls it yeah. it, it's a couple of boring parts it slows to a fucking halt like yeah. it's not even crawling along well, anymore it's just a, like a couple times when they get to that city yeah the like the clock yeah city i guess that's kind of the ghost land it's really it really it's like only the, takes place in two places ghost land and um samurai town samurai town yeah yeah there's um, um we kind of touched on it but it, there's like a lot of cultural blending so there's cowboys there's samurais there's uh feudal japanese architecture with bright neon lights yeah um there's one of the interior sets of like that bank is this like super sterile um sci-fi sort of everything's all white and clean and perfect and um, we see the outside of that bank too and it's like a japanese wild west uh like saloon entrance to it yeah so like it's part uh samurai film it's part ramen western it's part yeah. a, a bunch of different things um 
at its core, it's a movie about nuclear fear and the Fukushima meltdown incident. Mm -hmm. And that's about it, I think. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on, but that's kind of like the core thing. Japanese filmmakers, that's like nuclear fear and all of that stuff is so integral to a lot sure. of Japanese filmmakers. Makes sense. If, yeah. If, uh, <laughs> yeah. If, if we had gotten an atomic bomb twice, uh, the worst things that's ever happened. And then in had history. a, had uh, a, yeah. a, you know, a, a catastrophic event, the, right. the scale of Fukushima. Also uh, that there's like three major, you know, I was watching this events. with, um, uh, Oh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Katie. Uh, she sent me that her Spotify like wrapped that she was like, this was her top podcast. We had a lot of it actually, but she had a lot of people. No, got a lot no, of no, no. Because she pointed out to me, I was like, Oh cool. I've seen a couple of these. And then she pointed out to me later that she had had so many hours played that she's like, yeah, I've listened like a couple of times, like most episodes. And I like did the math. I'm like, wait, shit, Katie, you've listened to like every episode, like three times. You must be our biggest <laughs> fan by a lot. Like, yeah. Wow. So, big shout out to Katie. Um, watch with our friend Ali, who doesn't want to be on the pod and our friend Ryan, um, who does a theme song. He's appeared. Uh, he was just confused the whole time. He's like, what the fuck is going on? He kept getting mad at stuff. And he's like, I, I, I just, I wanted to bring that up because at one point he's like, where did they find this fucking guy? The, the bank henchman, the other guy, do you remember that guy's name? Like psycho or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. He's got a weird um, name. He's like, where'd they fucking find this guy? He looks so creepy and imposing. I'm like, oh, that's Nick Cassavetes. He's like, wait, you know that guy's name? Oh, I'm like, yeah, dude, he directed The Notebook. And Ryan, <laughs> Ryan just started freaking out. He's like, wait, you're telling me this man in this movie yep. is shooting this kid directed The Notebook? I'm like, sure yeah, did. dude, he's the son of John Cassavetes and Gina Rowland. Like, so Hollywood royalty, yep. indie movie royalty. And, he, and his a mind respected was respected actor in his own right. Bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mind was just blown for a little bit. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the movie's a big fucking mess. My big take, I, the, of course, you have some problems with it, but I just kept latching onto the idea that it's like so much fun and the good parts are good that I'm like, if this came out back in the day, this would be like a revered cult classic. Like, I think it will be. This came out in the '70s. This would be fucking house tier it, movie. It, it will be. Percent. I mean, you've got so many. Th it, like, if I told you, like, I mean, just right off the bat, it's directed by Sion Sono, who is a cult japanese director already he's like done so many things we're going to talk briefly about to his two other big movies which are uh you watched one recently and i've seen the other uh but you've got cyan sono who already like commands a cult following in his own right you've got nicholas cage like legitimately turning in a like cult uh wicker he's, man he's, level he's so funny in um this. but this it's like Nicholas supposed to be that type yes. of performance yeah he's, he's, he's absolutely playing to the back seats going crazy as you know cage does but instead of the wicker man where he looks insane compared to everyone mm -hmm. and the movie's bad like everything about this movie's insane yeah it's <laughs> it's intentional and they got in song you also have points, um, everybody cries randomly um, you also have Bill Mosley, who is yeah. another massive cult actor. Um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, uh, all of Rob Zombie's stuff. Yeah. Um, so you you've got three massive cult icons. 
Sophia Botella is kind of a kind of a young woman she's of a little, the moment a little bit. She's, she's like an up and coming. coming. Yeah. yeah, she's had some big breakout stuff. She's I don't think she's necessarily had a chance to be like the I liked her with blade legs in Kingsman. Kingsman. Yeah. That's kind of probably her most famous one. She's also done some like bit parts. She's becoming that sort of like um she's getting all of these action roles where she's like the the like the badass yeah, she, uh, villain. she could be I could see her being like a like a Michelle Rodriguez type where it's yes. just like everybody knows her even though they That's can't really think of a movie that yeah. she's like starred in. And then they're just like, everyone knows her for some reason. And then she's just like insanely famous despite like never starring in a movie. Yeah. She did. I'm, I'm waiting for her to get a movie where she can be like the star of it. Yeah. And because one, when she does, I think she's going to like fucking kill it. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at her IMDb right now and like, so she was in, um, atomic blonde opposite charlie's theron she's going to get a role like that where yeah. she is just you know female led the star of like a big action set piece kind of thing and she's gonna absolutely fucking destroy it it's weird, and like, it's weird in kingsman that she's like the heavies yeah like like the big bad guys heavy mm-hmm. she's, she's like the final fight she's boss. great yeah it, she's, she's got blade it, legs it she rules. really is great in everything she does yeah. she's kind of playing um i i hesitate to say like off character for her because like i don't think i think i don't know what her character really is yet yeah she like she's a dancer to like yes. it was her background before acting that's why i saw she's in climax i've never seen that gaspar no way weird take drugs and yeah. dance movie that's probably like her big like I mean, it's Gaspar Noe, so it's like it's big. Like, how big is it? Like, really, he's like kind of a niche guy himself. Sure, but um, that's like really where she could have like really shined as like the yeah. lead lead. Um, but um, you you recently watched so Science Ono's other. He's got a ton of like if you go and look at his filmography, he's got like a ton of shit. I don't think I'm <coughs> wrong in saying his two most popular other films are Suicide Club. And then a film called Tag. Yeah, I just watched Tag. The, uh, Suicide Jesus, Club. I just watched Suicide Club this afternoon. Um, it's been on my watch list for a while, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, really cool. I mean, it's the premise of the movie. I'm not giving anything away. That uh, the movie opens up uh, just like stock footage of um, uh, subway in Japan, and uh, these 54 young women, uh, like high school aged, uh, like schoolgirls just all in tandem happily or singing a song and stuff and the train's pulling in and they all jump onto the tracks and kill themselves. And then there's just like tons of other teenage suicides just like plaguing the city. And it starts kind of just as like a police um, procedural type trying to get to the bottom of why this is happening. Nobody wants to call it a crime, um, but wants to figure out what's going on. They're powerless to stop it. And then it becomes like a, reflection on appreciating your life and uh like a reflection of if it's worth living in the world because one day you might hurt someone or kill someone or something bad could happen to you and uh crazy it doesn't answer any of the questions it poses but it's another movie that you just kind of got to let wash over you big big content warning for that one a million people commit suicide. There's like animal cruelty, all kinds of 
bad stuff, but uh, if none of that turns you off too much, I think it's a really, really good watch. Um, Tag, I had seen, I've, I watched it years ago, um, so I'm, I'm not going to get too much into it because it's it kind of yeah. fuzzy with how long, long ago I watched it. Um, it's wild. It's Suicide Club, everything I've seen about it seems like it's a little bit more uh traditional no if I, if Sion Sono I, can be I, I, I can't give but... enough away this movie is not there's okay. so much crazy shit going on tag is closer is, is like prisoners of the ghost land where it is it is hard to follow what is like really going on I, I guess until the end most of the time yeah you can kind of figure out what's going on in suicide club so it if it definitely does feel for most of it more like a movie than Prisoners of Ghostland does. Tag but, feels yeah, like a yeah, tag yeah. feels like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah the yeah, entire yeah. time, yeah. from what I can remember. Uh, I I can assure you if you're if you dear listener and Dan, I know for a fact you've seen this. If you're on the internet, you've seen uh, uh clips from Tag where it's uh all of the like Japanese high school girls on a bus. And one of them drops a pen and like bends down to pick it up, and some sort of invisible force cuts the entire bus in half. Oh, that's what that's up. from. That's from Tag. Damn, I gotta see that shit. Um, so <laughs> that girl's one of our main characters. You have two other like high school girls. They're like all being sort of like hunted by this like wind force and a bunch of different ghosts. We're constantly changing back and forth between perspectives. Um, then you i think at the end you like find out they're like all actually the same person and a bunch of like it is insane like it is hard to follow there is definitely stuff being lost in translation sure but if like prisoners of a ghost land like i've i've rated tag a three and a half on letterboxd i'm seeing right now and um if like prisoners of a ghost land you can kind of turn off and just just follow the ride it you're you're gonna miss stuff because it's just there's a lot going on and it's yeah. it it's like stepping you're like truly stepping inside the mind of Sion Sono and you're just not gonna understand. I, I it. believe a man who admittedly um hates his audience like <laughs> Suicide Club he wanted to make a movie that he, he studied uh film in America and uh came home uh went home to japan and then uh purposely made a movie that he thought japan would hate uh, <laughs> it definitely feels like uh uh the director is mad at you in any of these movies a little bit well like it, it, um prisoners of ghostland though such sick visuals that i think you can turn off your brain fucking i mean if you like smoking a little weed smoke smoke some weed and watch that movie i think you have a great time yeah um there is kind of it's like barely understood but there's kind of a outside force controlling the lives of others which uh yeah the bill mosley character it's implied at least that he controls time and is keeping people captive basically in a time prison for him to be the governor of which uh i think relates to the movies we're talking about today it does there's some loose um thematic tie-ins for sure um which is interesting again we we watched for the podcast the movies we are watching for this episode are dark city from um 1998 uh and um i'm sorry the matrix 
just clicking on some uh, tabs here. Both sci-fi movies dealing with themes of the world being an illusion created by some sort of otherworldly um, force or society and then using that world for some sort of ulterior motive or greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we want to talk about Dark City first, right? So why don't you go ahead and give the synopsis for The Matrix? You know the damn anybody Matrix. Anybody needs to fucking I'll, hear the synopsis for it. I'll bust through this as fast as possible. Uh, Matrix, 1999, directed by the Wachowski sisters. Starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Joe Pantoliano. Computer programmer Thomas Anderson, known by his hacking alias Neo, repeatedly finds the phrase of Matrix online. He's contacted by Trinity, who tells him to seek out Morpheus. Pursued by a team of agents, he eventually finds Morpheus and takes the red pill, awakening in a pod outside of the world he knows. Morpheus explains that intelligent machines have enslaved humanity, using their bodies for power while their minds are stuck in the simulated reality that is the Matrix. Morpheus and his crew are rebels who hack into the Matrix to unplug and recruit humans to their cause. They're pursued by the agents in the Matrix and Sentinels in the real world. Neo trains with Morpheus, and his prowess cements the belief that he is the prophesized one who will free mankind. They travel into the Matrix to visit the Oracle, but have been double-crossed by crewmate Cypher, who sets them up and kills off the crew while their bodies are in the Matrix. Tank defeats Cypher and pulls Neo and Trinity out, though Morpheus has been captured by agents. Neo and Trinity return to the Matrix to save Morpheus. Trinity confesses her love for Neo, but Neo is ambushed and killed by Agent Smith. Neo is miraculously revived newfound abilities to control the matrix and easily dispatches the agents places a phone call vowing to show those imprisoned in the matrix a world where anything is possible before flying away movie had a 63 million dollar budget and made 466.3 million at the box office uh i can't believe it doesn't have tens across the board here baby metascore 73 metacritic user 9.0 ron tomatoes critic 88 and user 85 nice we got dark city from 1998, directed by Alex Proyas, who is a name a lot of people probably don't recognize necessarily, but he directed The Crow, um, as well as um, his other most famous one, uh, Gods of Egypt. <laughs> uh, no. One of us was bound to bring up Gods of no, Egypt. No, he, al- he also, point. his other, uh, Dark City, The Crow, and iRobot are his like three big ones. Um, but starring podcast alumnus, Rufus Sewell. Welcome back, baby, from episode one itself. Yeah, wild stuff. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, Kiefer Sutherland, and William Hurt. Uh, John Murdoch, played by Rufus Sewell, awakens in a bathtub with no memory of who he is or how he got there and immediately receives a cryptic cryptic phone call from Dr. Daniel Schreber. Uh, Kiefer. Finding a mutilated corpse in the room, Murdoch flees while being pursued by the Nosferatu-like strangers. Following clues, Murdoch learns his own name and of his wife, Emma, played by Jennifer Connelly, while also learning that he's being pursued by the police and Inspector Frank Bumstead, uh, William Hurt. Murdoch's investigation through the city reveals that it is a simulation being controlled by the alien hive mind strangers as they tune the city to try and find the secrets to individuality. Alongside Emma, Dr. Schreber, and Bumstead, Murdoch tries to unravel the secrets of the city, but is eventually captured by the strangers as they realize that the city is floating in space and Frank Bumstead is sucked into the vastness of it. Um, But he's captured by the strangers and is to be adapted into the hive mind. However, Dr. Schreber implants new memories in his head instead instead unlocking his potential and giving him the knowledge to fight back. Psychic battle between Murdoch and the head stranger ensues and Murdoch kills the alien. 
Murdoch reimagines the city to be better for everyone and reunites with Emma, though she doesn't remember him, so they can re-meet and live the lives they should have had in earnest. It's a sweet ending. It's wild, man. It is a wild <laughs> movie. It had a, uh, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 76, an audience rating of 85. Um, unfortunately, uh, or not unfortunately, I'm sorry. Metacritic, it has a 66 and a user rating of 8.7. It did have an estimated budget of 27 million. However, it only grossed 14 million domestically and barely made its money back with worldwide gross. But obviously it has achieved, um, legitimate cult status. Um, everyone I know that has seen Dark City really, really enjoys Dark City. Rightfully so. Um, I had seen it before this. And I think I enjoyed it more on a second viewing than I did even the first time around. I uh, I had never seen it before. Uh, I really liked it. It's um, it's really cool. So admission to make. Uh, what are the tuning guys called? The bad guys? Uh, they are only really ever referred to as strangers. Strangers, yeah. Um, so strangers. when they're coming after people at the beginning, they're wearing like duster coats and like top hats and shit. Mm-hmm um and the names are similar enough i was conflating this movie with dark man which is okay. different different movie but uh still like the city is dark and shit yeah um one of the I, things I, it's perpetually night yeah i i like dark man um i like dark man like too. thematically somewhat similar but um this movie me reminded me a lot of other movies it predates the matrix mm-hmm. but i mean big it matrix actually vibes, um of course uh uses a lot of this the matrix uses some of the sets from dark city i I think i read that somewhere yeah Yeah, they're filmed on the same dark streets and shit but yeah this movie has like memento vibes inception vibes um any like dark later noir like sin city yes those type of vibes the 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 vibe is great um much less action than uh the matrix it is a true neo-noir you get a lot of this i'm getting damn synecdoche new york vibes they're making (laughs) whole little cities out here this shit's crazy uh yeah dark city has a had a massive influence on i mean matrix clearly was like the larger commercial success but um you know i think it's you know there you always hear the um the phrase of being like oh it's a like comedians this person's a comedian's comedian yeah uh i think dark city is like a filmmaker's movie um where if you'd like the people you can after you see dark city you can see the influence and you'll kind of probably start to having that i can definitely tell movies that have been influenced by this like uh you'll have like the bader meinhoff thing where you start recognizing like realizing that people are telling you that they really like dark city like dark city is coming up a lot um kind of thing um it's especially good for me now that i know it's not dark man yeah (laughs) um yeah it's great uh there are um so many cool set pieces and sets in it uh there's um i love in the before we get into you know specifics in the uh where like the strangers sort of like stronghold the like one kind of room that the strangers are always in it's kind of like they've got all the people standing around and there's like that big clock that comes out of the face yeah uh it gives me like the metropolis metropolis those yeah. big um like it really leans into sort of uh like the 1950s idea of what the future would look like even though it, it was made in the yeah, 90s i i definitely feel like um 
Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro likes this movie a lot yeah. because it's, yeah, it's like old, like 50s style suits and uh, old cars and stuff. But there's like weird, I mean, in this it's sci-fi, whereas Guillermo goes like magical realism with it more than sci-fi really. But yeah, if you just slapped a weird color filter on this movie, this would absolutely feel like a Guillermo del Toro movie. I don't know. I can't say his name today. <laughs> Uh, do, now I do have a question for you. Did you, and do you know, did you watch the director's cut or the theatrical cut? Uh, I don't think I know which one I watched. Okay. You probably, I I guess I'll tell you. I usually will I download you. a director's cut when I see there is one, but I don't remember what I saw. So there's, there's not much of a difference. Now, um, obviously Alex Proyas would tell you that the director's cut is his true vision. The main difference is that the theatrical cut, um, the studio, I think, got a little nervous that they thought people might not really get it. So the theatrical cut opens with a um, voiceover monologue of Dr. Schreber, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character, kind of saying what's happening. It He kind of lays out the kind of overall greater mystery of the strangers and saying like, oh, a bunch of people have been abducted. They've been put into this civilization. Uh, I've betrayed my kind. I, I did not see that. Though. Okay, so then you yeah. saw the director's cut. Um, I've betrayed my kind, and this is kind of what happened. Is he and, talking in his weird voice? Yeah. I could not peg down the whole uh, movie what kind I, of accent. I am Dr. Schreber, and yeah. I have betrayed my kind. He's it's, got this like weird, like uh, it's not really a stutter. He just puts weird pauses. Yeah, that's in what really I was going to say. It doesn't feel like anybody's like foot. I mean, I guess they've made him delete a bunch of his brain, so it makes sense that uh, he would yeah. be weird, but it's just not like a speech impediment and then I'm familiar with. After the voiceover, you get um, several, probably like 30, 40 seconds of establishing shots of everyone falling asleep all at the same time, which is something that you find out later on happens no, I when, I definitely didn't see that when the city is being tuned. Yeah, the movie, I believe, just uh opens with him looking at his watch it's it's over you you just kind of get an establishing shot of a dark city because my first note is wow this is a dark city yeah so Um, but then it's yeah perfect uh matrix parallels uh rufus wakes up in a bath confused as all fuck and then gets a phone call from a guy telling him uh how to escape his pursuers but yeah so the so matrix the director's cut just opens with Kiefer sutherland looking at his watch we don't know who he is at this point. We don't know anything. And then right to Rufus Sewell. Uh, the director's cut after that, pretty much from that point on, the movies are almost identical. The director's cut does have um, some extended scenes. No, no really like deleted anything. You've just got some extended scenes and some different kind of shots put in. Sometimes uh, the director's places. cut can really lag when they're just adding scenes that so i've watched slow the movie down i i didn't feel as only knowing the one version i didn't feel as though this movie was like drawn out i've watched really. both now um it, it had been a minute since i watched the director's cut but um from what i do remember uh and this is kind of consensus that i've seen on the internet and other places that the theatrical cut um the voiceover doesn't necessarily do enough detraction from the overall like mystery to warrant not being necessary that opening establishing shot of all the people shots of the people falling asleep are good and the pacing is just a little bit tighter that um 
uh i probably like preferred a little bit, a little yeah. bit more um if you go and like read comments and stuff people are pretty torn just because it's there's not really that big of a difference between the two for, this is for, not a, first watch uh not that dumb of a guy so i definitely got everything without the voiceover it there's um, it's but, not that crazy but the movie also, tells you what's yeah. happening also like, i didn't yeah it explains everything uh plenty i, I get it all by the end it is a um, weird movie but, but uh, it didn't it's not it didn't feel like uh bogged down either yeah um but yeah let's get to it they, uh yeah like we said he wakes up in the bath keeper sutherland calls him up uh uh, they refer to her as a hooker, dead hooker, a bunch of times. So, I mean, I'll use their own parlance, but uh, yeah, dead, dead hooker. Yeah, he doesn't remember anything. Um, just get the fuck out of there. Uh, he goes downstairs. Everybody's asleep. His, uh, he's staying at a hotel. Um, he has like an extended uh, exchange with the guy behind the counter at the hotel um, who uh, he hits you with a couple different uh ways he speaks um something about he's been working there uh for well, no, it's, for uh, 10 years and no time off for good behavior or something like that he he's talking about yeah it, it, that's basically what it is i think he's saying that um three he, he's going to like remove all of uh murdoch's stuff from his room and he's as he's opening the door he's like three weeks is three weeks no time off for good behavior because yeah. we're gonna meet that character again yeah, later yeah, yeah after everyone has been sort of rearranged yeah. and he's going to say it again, um, tipping off Murdoch that yeah. it's kind of like full thing. Yeah. Ruf- Rufus will, uh, yeah, successfully flees for a while. He's pursued by, uh, the strangers. That yep, we right called the, the strangers. Yep. I, I was calling them in my mind, the tuners, because the thing they do is called tuning. tuning yeah. So I'm having a hard time remem- remembering the strangers. They look like Nosferatu. Yeah. Every single one of them. They've yes. got pale white faces, which we learn later on is because they are, uh, the, the strangers themselves are alien entities that look these like lampreys. They're like yeah. ethereal sort of like energy lamprey yeah. slug looking things that are inhabiting corpses. So that's why they're all pale and uh, just kind of like they're just empty husks. Um, Similar to vampire because it's a walking dead thing. So he, uh, Murdoch goes to the automat, which is another really cool sort of like that, like, what is that called? You know, like the 50s idea of like what the future looked like kind of thing you see it in like the in uh the fallout universe if you're familiar with the video game yeah stuff. i don't know what you would call that but yeah it's like it's a basically diner. a diner that's a vending machine yeah with a guy working behind want. it just yeah, kind he of just like, fills tiny little windows the whole walls are hundreds of windows and you take a plate of what you want yeah somebody comes in it. gets a banana where there's just a single banana sitting in a thing with a label that says banana and somebody like puts in a quarter gets the banana out and the guy removes the plate and the thing puts jello up there with a sign that says jello yeah. and he's it's kind of a fun scene you never see the guy working at the automat he's just kind of talking to murdoch as they're walking around and he gives him his wallet back and murdoch doesn't have a quarter to get the wallet out and that's when he kind of uses his tuning ability for the first time we get some goofy CGI mind waves shoot out of him and he breaks the door and he's able to get his wallet back. Um, yeah, he, much like Neo, he seems to have a special gift. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, stopped by police trying to leave, but is kind of saved by um, another sex worker. Woman of the night, yeah. Um, I think her name is May, who then takes him home with her. 
she digs him upstairs she, he's like she has what is her name he says john and she's like oh isn't that lucky yeah like, oh, that's fun <laughs> so it's kind of so kind of a funny sex work joke yeah <laughs> i like that um and, and they, he hasn't been chased yet by the strangers he has been chased by it, or they're about to like get him again where like he kind of they he tunes again um i think it's like the next day there, when, when is it because he leaves her house pretty quickly yes and that's when he's he uh, confronted by the strangers again. okay that's when they catch up to him yeah and they kind of have like the fight yeah, um, he, he runs away from him for a while he starts using his tuning ability so he'll use this like, fall through stuff. moment we we've we realize later on that um that like we kind of mentioned at it like the the city is just perpetually at night there is no daytime in this city uh murdoch even when he's kind of a dark city yeah when he when he talks to his uncle later on or uh i think he's talking to frank he's like when's the last time you did anything during the day um and that while also being a plot point uh does a really good job of like confusing you as the viewer in terms of like really removing sort of any sort of time frame between any of this he's confused as well because he wakes up and it's about to be midnight again this much later but he's like wait a whole day hasn't passed like what the hell they they also um proyas did kind of similar to like we talked about it with the shining uh where uh you know when danny's like riding around on his big wheel there's these impossible corners and turns uh proyas does it in this by putting in a bunch of like deliberate anachronisms where it's like supposed to be 99 but like everyone looks like they're in the 50s there's all these like weird car you know a bunch of different time frames all of which are there to along with the kind of day night the lack of a day night cycle is just to confuse you and disorient you within this like world um so yeah he's chased again by the strangers they end up at uh kind of underneath this like animatronic billboard for a place called shell beach which is he has a, t- a postcard from it, and he keeps getting flashes of these memories of the beach. Uh, and he fights the strangers. They have a little psychic battle. One of the strangers gets their, the top, the back of their head chopped open by the waving arm yeah. of the billboard. He, he's just kind of reacting, uh, using his tuning ability, not knowing what it is. And it's, like, successfully fucking them up really mm-hmm. bad. Um, have we met William Hurt yet at this point? His, yes, his investigation he, he, kind of already begun. Yeah. He's uh he's a police detective um looking into uh this this wave of uh people killing hookers. Um he's acting really fucking cool. I think John Hurt's a cool actor. He's acting really cool William until he, what did I say, John Hurt? John Hurt, who is also a cool actor. Oh shit. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah, William Hurt. Um if my note says that, I should just look at my notes, right? Um, he's acting really cool and like uh, noir detectivey until he finds the dead hooker in the room where uh, Rufus Sewell first wakes up, and he looks at her and he says, "She's laying dead on the side of the bed." And she, he says, "Looks like somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed." And I'm like, "Man, come on, that's such a fucking take that line out of here. This sounds like fucking CSI Miami all of a sudden. It's <laughs> no good to me." Um, but yeah, so he, he he's kind of the one of the other big storylines we're getting, um, Rufus Sewell's kind of the A storyline, whereas uh, William Hurt uh, investigating and pursuing him kind of becomes a B storyline. And then uh, Jennifer Connelly's arc as the wife also kind of a, a I guess, Kiefer. There's a bunch of different interweaving storylines. We've got our four later. principal characters. Yeah. Um, Rufus Sewell as John Murdoch is obviously our our 
main character and then you have the kind of B plots that are running alongside it with um Dr. Schreber who is working for the strangers he kind of you find out uh later on it's not too much further from this that uh they kind of t- they have like memories are like a liquid and they kind of hand pick which memories to kind of implant into people and he's kind of like they needed somebody who could do like the kind of medical stuff for them mm-hmm. um cuz it's after the he fights the um strangers is when he goes and finds Emma they find out she's like oh i thought you were punishing me because i had an affair um they say like you're the one that's killing all of these sex workers uh is that true and he was like no it like it can't be me because part of the reason that he went home with uh may in the first place was to see if he would do it like basically to see if it's true what they were like saying and he's like no i just left like i didn't do anything like if i was really the person that they're trying to say that i am like i would have killed her and i just I, i left i went home like kind of thing um I think it's around right when he leaves uh, from meeting with Emma for the first time that he kind of goes out and everyone falls asleep. And he's kind of like walking around. He's like, why is everyone trying to figure out why everyone is like asleep? Freaking, yeah. And that's when we see the what the strangers have been calling tuning. Uh, they are They're moving buildings. It looks like fucking SimCity. Yeah. Popping buildings out of other buildings, buildings are moving around. They're sliding around sort of. Uh, like in, you mentioned Inception, talking about films that have a thing where like the buildings are just like moving around on their own to resituate the city. Uh, we see a couple who are kind of living in not like squalor, but they're like a working class family yeah, in a big not, city. Not doing too great. Yeah, uh, he's complaining about how he needs to ask for a raise, and he doesn't think he'll get it. And this they, stuff. They both fall asleep face first into their soup. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, and then he sees. Dr. Schreber, along with the strangers going around, and Dr. Schreber's injecting people in their heads with these syringes. The uh, strangers are, like, putting people in new spots. They're moving people around. It it was really weird, that scene, because they changed the entire, like, their shitty kitchen table becomes, like, an elegant long table and stuff. And all that stuff just kind of sprouts into existence. But the strangers specifically put candles on the table yeah. and then light the candles. And I'm like, why did they need to add that part? Can they just not control fire, I guess? I yeah, so we we see them turn this working class family into a very high class, yeah. um, upper crust family. And now they're, uh, instead of complaining about needing a raise, he's uh, talking about how he told somebody, like, if they don't do their, like, what they need to do, they'll be fired yeah. and, like, kind of thing. Um, and that's kind of like our first taste. We we learn not too long. We after see them this. like wake up as well and immediately yeah. embrace their like they just carry on the conversation they were having. But like nothing their, happened in their new status. Yeah. We we learn not too long after this because um, Murdoch and Doctor Schreber kind of meet up. That what the aliens are doing is they they are a hive mind, and uh, are trying to sort of get out of that by doing this yeah they want to understand human nature and like what it means to like be an individual to have individual thought and uh things so they're like playing around with like the the sliders on this uh experiment they're doing to find like the perfect balance of where people should be by putting different people in different roles and that's when uh 
Murdoch kind of starts to realize like, oh, well, maybe like, am I even who they're saying I am? Like, I don't, do I even know who Emma is? Like, I think Frank, it's who are you? Later. Dr. Schreiber, who are you? Like, yeah, I think it's much later when um, we find out that they set him up. He was just like a normal guy somewhere, but they set him up to think he had been a murderer. He was the one out killing uh, the sex workers. So they wanted to see if there would be something like innately good in him that would stop him from doing that. Or if someone who thinks they're predisposed to these violent crimes is going to continue doing that. Right. We also find out that the reason he's kind of a, like can go against those things is that he woke up during the tuning and it was never really implanted with any of these memories. He's still the person that he thought he was. Because he has the ability that. to tune himself. He's, I mean, he's the Neo of this world. Yes, he's, yeah, he's yeah. like the chosen one who can go against uh, um, the tyrannical overseers. So it's around this time now that um, Murdoch and Doctor Schreiber have spoken. Murdoch's like really kind of putting in the putting the pieces together. Um, uh, Frank, the detective, William Hurt's character has. Um, met up with emma and he's kind of starting to um figure out things are going on his former partner is similar to murdoch is that he woke up during a tuning and is now kind of immune to the whole thing he's gone crazy we see his house he's got a peppy sylvia board that guy's in dark man by the way that actor which you were having a time huh um, yes i was like i was like googling to make sure dark man and dark city don't exist at all in a similar (laughs) same universe or anything um, and I just kept finding out stuff about that guy. Um, yeah, he ends up just going so crazy when he meets Murdoch a little later. He immediately jumps in front of a train. Yeah, he's like, oh, club callback. Yeah, he, he he's like, I I know the way out. I figured out a way out, and he just kills himself. Yeah. Um, it's around this time that the uh, strangers are like, well, shit. Like Murdoch's kind of like a really big wrench in this whole thing. How are we gonna They're like? Find oh him? shit, he's stronger than yeah. we thought he was. We need to find him. And one of the guys. Yeah, all the strangers are um, Mr. Something. So we've got uh, Mr. Sleep, who is actually a little child. Uh, Mr. Book. Mr. They're all Mr. Something or other. Mr. Hand is the one who gets tuned. So that's that's how they decide they're going to give him the same tuning. Um, There's not really guys in the Matrix. No, is Mr. Hand you're that guy? Yeah, Richard O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, Riff Raff in uh, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. There's a Um, couple of, like, guys throughout this as I was... Richard O'Brien is definitely, like, the biggest one. Um, But also Bruce Spence, who plays Mr. Wall. He's, like, the really tall... Most of the misters are, like, famous British actors who I like for Um, some reason. Bruce Spence is, like, fully a that guy. He's got, like, 170 credits. Um, Like, he is a very quintessential um that guy where it's like you recognize his face you have no idea who he is what am i talking about dude that's not my guy of the week is it shrubber's assistant no we'll get to it okay because uh the other one and i didn't recognize this but as i was going through imdb uh shrubber apparently at some point has an assistant who is played by david winham who is uh faramir from oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah i saw it in imdb too yeah, so it doesn't that's that's another doesn't qualify, that's another really but that's good, a fun I, one. I have such an obvious one that I forgot all about. But anyway, um, let's keep talking. So yeah, now they've implanted Mr. Hand, uh, Riff Raff, with all of the uh memories that 
Murdoch was supposed to have is along with his previous memories. And they're basically going to be like, uh, oh, you're going to go and like, if you become Murdoch, then you'll think like him. And uh, you get a great line with um, Mr. Book, who's the head of the strangers, is like basically being like, did it work? And Mr. Hand responds, I have John Murdoch in mind <laughs> just hard cut to the next scene sounds like one of my shitty time jokes i make in D D. yeah constantly. it does um <laughs> you even said it the exact same so way. basically from this point on it's like we're like in the climax of the movie um murdoch is trying to find uh schreber uh they like, kind of meet up they eventually get uh william hurt um is his name bum Bumstead. Keep wanting to say Bumgardner, and that's a baseball player. Frank Bumstead. So they find Bumstead, and they're all kind of like going together. Um, Mr. Hand goes and gets Emma and is going to kind of use her as a hostage situation. But Dr. Schreber is going to take Murdoch and uh, Inspector Bumstead to sort of the end. He's like, Oh, you want to see where Shell Beach is? Come on, I'll send you to Shell Beach. And, uh, we get there's kind of like these like weird parts of the city that are like it's almost like vienna or something where it's like there's just a bunch of canals and weird dock pathways and it's um, like maybe sewers but i can't tell if we're underground they're definitely in a boat for a while but i can't tell where we're at and so they use the boat to get like a big exposition dump and that's kind of where you learn about their what the experiment is there's way too much of an expedition exposition dump here it's pretty when i was saying i understood the movie easily from watching the director's cut without that that preemptive thing i did then also write a note that there was too much exposition towards the end i believe yes i get all this that's one of the scenes that is extended in the director's cut versus i think it still is maybe i would like theatrical more because that's the one note that i took it's like pretty big negative um but so he kind of takes them. He's like, okay, yeah, here's Shell Beach. And it's just a brick wall because it is the end of the thing. So immediately um, Murdoch and Bumstead start kind of taking lead pipes and stuff to this brick wall. And Dr. Yeah, Trevor's I, like, don't I, do that. Like, you're I not going to like the, this. I love how on board William Hurt has become in a very short amount of time yes. that he immediately also grabs like a pickaxe. and imme- He's just on site just we gotta smash this fucking wall man because the one the one's kind of scene where he like gets on board is he gets murdoch and they're kind of like in an interrogation room and that's when murdoch's like when's the last time you remember doing anything during the day and it's like oh do you like you you know shell city right or shell beach and he's like yeah i know shell beach and murdoch's like okay tell me how to get there he's like oh you go down the one street he asked the same murdoch asked the same thing to a taxi driver earlier in the movie murdoch's trying to get out of town he's supposed to take the express it doesn't stop because that's the express there's he's he's slowly realizing there's no way out of town yeah so bumstead's like oh well shit maybe my former partner like has something like going on here and is like all right i'll follow you like kind of down this rabbit hole that's That's the other movie that's the other movie um and yeah, they break down this brick wall, and it's just space. outer space. Space! <laughs> um, <laughs> which is honestly like a really wild and fun reveal of yeah. just like... Um, I think you that's the first time you get like an exterior shot of the city, and it's yeah, just this Yeah, we big, get the whole like map reveal of the whole city. Yeah. Which is, is teased earlier in the film when Emma goes to talk to Dr. Schreber. He has a um, mouse or a rat in a maze that is set up exactly the same kind of overlay of the city um 
and yeah, it's just this big disc floating in space where the strangers have abducted all of these humans and put them in this maze to figure out to to run their experiments. Um, then the Mr. Hand shows up with yeah, the other strangers. They all they show have up because they know exactly where he would go because yep. they share a mind now, basically. Uh, and they fight, and William Hurt, uh, Frank Bumstead, and one of the strangers gets. Sucked down into space and died. Yeah, he's just gone. He's like, just oh, dead. He's not in the movie anymore. Yep. <laughs> um. Then they've kind of, at this point, you know, they use Emma to get Murdoch to kind of uh, give himself up because they're basically just like, he's like Murdoch tries to do the thing where he's like, well, I don't actually know who because he knows now right. that it's all fabricated. He doesn't actually know who Emma is. It's just these fake memories, but the the strangers call him call his bluff and being like mr hand specifically being like oh no i know you love her because <coughs> i'm you right like we're, we're right. the same person yeah. right now in terms of like all you know everything's the same with we've all been implanted with the same thing um and he gives in is taken, taken to um their home thing uh and they're going to because murdoch is like the chosen one they're going to bring him into the hive mind. He's stronger than any of them with like his ability to tune and all of that stuff. So they're like, oh, well, we'll just bring you into the hive mind and that'll be it. Like, we'll just have like another Erase super your strong stranger. by making you one of us. Um, but, um... He goes Neo-Jesus mode instead yep. and breaks his chains. Well, because Dr. Schreber kind of, instead of putting the the hive mind juice into his head with the injection has uh, implanted a bunch of new memories that is like giving him all this information. Basically you see, uh, Oh, it's him teaching him how, yeah, to you see Murdoch as yeah. like a little and kid he can in speak a schoolhouse. fine in these. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. He's in a schoolhouse and, uh, like Dr. Schreber's his school teacher and is like d- drawing on the white or blackboard being like, this is how you beat them. Like this yeah. is, here are all of the secrets I know about the strangers. This is how you're going to beat them. And uh, he does. They we have a big supercharges him up. CGI fight. CGI fight's a little lame. It like, doesn't really hold the, up. The like final sequence being just like blasting energy back and forth with your heads. Like scanners did it better a long time before this. Like um, I I liked the final thing where he's like his coup de gras is uh, shoot the dagger at him, but then he flips the dagger back around, and kills. The big uh, main stranger guy. The CGI it's, parts it's all fun don't necessarily hold up, but it's it's definitely bolstered and uh, like elevated because of the sets. Yeah. Like the the, this the setting of good. the whole thing. It, this is I think I said earlier. This is not an action movie where the Matrix is like most of the action set pieces in quotes are chases. Just Rufus Sewell just running away from people. Yeah. Um, still a lot of fun. Just no going into it. Not one for one with crazy action like the Matrix is. No. Um, now that he's defeated all of the strangers, uh, he goes like, I don't know. He just he uses his tuning. He tunes the city. Yeah. He just uh, fixes it up to be a nice place to live. Because what else does he know? He takes all the water and puts it out into space around it because my man said, "I'm getting my damn beach. Yeah, I want the you, damn beach. You put a beach in my head, I'm getting a beach." Uh, so he makes a big space beach um, and kind of resets everything and makes it so that everyone's like, okay, um, Emma gets sort of like reset, but he's okay with that because he wants to, he wants to meet her and actually 
create a situation where the two of them can actually meet and fall in love the way that they had in he's their literally fake he's literally god and he's yeah like, i i want to uh organically have a relationship with jennifer connelly and i'm all, like i don't blame you man she is looking so nice uh, in this all, movie all of the strangers are dead and now rufus sewell can just tune to his heart's content and uh but he can't that, that like there's um a sort of uh maybe unintentional bittersweet um element to the ending of the movie is because you still have all of these people who are now just going to live out their lives in this truman show-esque floating space city um i mean he made the decision that free will is worth it yes this is this is the best outcome these people can now hope for um i mean the matrix waking everyone up uh you're you're exposed to a life of pain but you know the truth i mean it's not the point of either movie necessarily but at least the fundamental question is would would you want to turn the simulation off would you want free will like i mean cypher chooses in the matrix he'd rather eat fucking beef uh yeah he'd he'd rather live a lie that is comfortable than um a a a life that is his and his alone i think Um, most people would side with cypher in in reality but uh yeah now i'll that's pretty much it for dark city yeah um, good, good movie like it is a good uh, movie. little we so often do these where uh one stinks uh and we're picking these movies for the other one to be good now we're just picking it because m4 tricks is coming out but yeah um this was a really nice watch and luckily we have two more movies on this yeah. same uh like this is a forfer but we decided to just do two we'll save uh, we'll save the other two and i i kind of had this we we talked about this. We picked which ones we wanted to do. You know, we, we had Existence and Thirteenth Floor. The other yeah, ones. the Thirteenth Floor. I've never heard of Existence. Is a Cronenberg movie. It's Cronenberg. Yeah. yeah. And um, you would text me and said, "Hey, there's four movies on here. What do you what do you think we want to do?" And I was kind of just hoping you would say Existence because I want to see that for I the first too. time. And I, I don't know. I just thought Dark City would be boring or something, but it's a really good movie. It was. It's very good. I had already seen Dark City. At the, like I said, and um, when you text me, I was like. Kind of actually, it took me a minute to like think about it, and I was like, okay, well, which one kind of like fits the best? And I was like, ultimately, what I texted you back, I said, let's do Dark City because it's just it's the one that's just paired on our list. We can do the other two as another pairing of their own thing. But I wasn't fully like sold if I thought that Dark City was going to be the most um, similar, like the most twin of. There's the, there's of some the really four. clear stuff. Uh, if if you break them down to the core ideas and like uh literal like overarching plot stuff they're almost identical and that it's like they start once you add specificity and specifics to the movie they branch massively yeah i think both of the other two movies also incorporate uh like an ai like artificial world outside of the other world but yeah, well, at some point, visit those two together. So I, I know existence we'll is existence is like a there's like a video game element to the kind of thing because it's all I know is Jude Law holding that weird looking gun. He's got a weird gun. Yeah, He's got I don't know what's gun. up with it. Yeah, I need I to watch to... more Cronenberg. I still haven't seen some of the big ones. I like Cronenberg. Cronenberg. I mean, I do too. One of my favorite directors. He's it's I like directors who do like they have a very 
clear thing that they're into. They've got their bag. Well, he's turned his back on it. horror now. He's become a horse's ass. Has he? I haven't yeah, kept up with him recently. Yeah. Uh, definitely not his personal stuff. I try and avoid people, art, artists I like personal stuff, because it always muddies yeah. the stuff. Not and everybody's as cool as John Carpenter, baby. Gotta, gotta really separate Those were like the, the three the guys back in the day. Those were like the guys to watch was Cronenberg, Landis, and Carpenter. Carpenter, Stone Cold Pimp, through and through. He just wants to sit around and play Fallout 76. And as mentioned on this pod before, John Landis, actual murderer. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Carpenter just wants to play Fallout 76 and hang out and make his music. It'd be so cool if you had played with him. I'm hoping. Is it all cross-platform? He plays on Xbox, I think. Yeah, I think it's all cross-platform. I believe so. Yep. I play Fallout 76. I'm one of those guys. It's a good game now. I promise. Um... You got anything more on Dark City, or you want to, you ready to just take a little break? Yeah. You want to do a little breaky? A little, little breaky? A little quicken. Uh, okay, guys, come on. Let's go. And we're back. And we're back. Part two of the podcast. Ooh, hello? Who's there? Housekeeping. Huh. We've started using, I guess the whole time, housekeeping has kind of been like a podcast first. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I never meant it that way. But, <laughs> um, I think we've we've had just a handful of episodes where we've immediately watched a movie together and then started the pod about yeah. it. I think this is the first time we've ever gone to a theater, watched the movie, and then immediately came back to talk Absolutely. about it. Yeah. yeah. We just saw, uh, it's... Matrix Four is coming out soon. Can't fucking wait. Um, so they're reshowing the original Matrix in I, in theater. So we just went and watched it. Yeah, I believe I believe technically it's um part of a sort of partnership that Regal has with Warner Brothers called like Warner Brothers Classics or something like that, where they bring old WB movies back, and you can go to Regal and watch them. It's it's like either one or two nights. Some of them, most of them are one night. Some of them are two nights but it's um pretty much any like five bucks chain has like cheap old movies that they yeah. play so earlier some, in the month they did gremlins the weird regal stuff they charge you a fucking arm and a leg for so those uh, are the fathom events it, well i'm i'm looking at like ghibli movies when they're showing the ghibli movies in there i want to go see them and even though we have unlimited it's like 16 bucks because it's part like of I'm their extra more stuff. than a full price ticket's fucking bullshit yeah it's that that is fathom events which does um just kind of theater event thing so they do the re-releases of all the ghibli or sort of like any anime movies kind of stuff like that they do the um the met opera things um oh they show the fucking uh what's it called that uh like chinese dance thing that's always always on display in new york constantly that thing's like a cult that like funds a cult or something really yeah it's like like an open secret like everyone knows that huh. shin yun is that what it's called something like that something i re- like yeah that. it's a, because i remember uh when i was working at the mall they would always come and have like little kiosks and stuff and put up all their like posters huh i'm gonna have to look into that yeah that's interesting unless i made that up i might have dreamed <laughs> that I don't, know. I don't know but guys we're talking about one of the i mean i love this movie this is one of my favorite movies i do too um max real quick Yes. Do you like the Matrix sequels? They're yeah, divisive I do. for people. I think they're all 
like honestly i think they're probably all five star movies i love them all um there's a little bit of a mess in that they shot two and three kind of together and split it up and released them in the same year so there's a horrible transition at the end of two um and then three it wins me back but there's kind of some issues in that you just spend so much time in zion and away from your main characters that i know definitely puts a lot of people off but man i think they're all fucking phenomenal i love them all i can't wait for four yeah the 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 story i think is the the biggest sticking point for me um there's definitely like dated cgi in a lot of them uh especially like the fight in um reloaded that's the uh all the smiths neo versus yeah, all the that, smiths that's a little goofy but it, i mean what are you gonna some do? of that stuff just doesn't hold up and it, it's it's not that it was done poorly at the time it was like cutting edge at the time right. it just i forgive it all yeah yeah no i do too it's just it, so I think the story just gets a little confused is kind of like the biggest sin of like those movies is it's just, you know, you have that whole thing that at the end of the second one with Neo talking to the architect and he's just like talking about, it's just kind of like using a bunch of big words because, and it's like, what the fuck are you, is any of this going on about? I'll, I'll agree. It's really dense. I think it all has an internal logic that makes sense. I think it does too. It's just a very muddled logic. No, it gets insane because like the architect is like a root program. Yeah, everything's fucked up because the movie doesn't explain enough. This is shit that you like have to read wiki articles to fully understand the way these are different actual computer programs that we're interacting with and how they would work in the sense of it being part of a computer you gotta program. have a full degree in computer engineering to like really <laughs> Shit's dense, be able to follow that shit yeah i love it all um but we're not talking about two and three no we're talking about standalone huge breakout hit uh two young women who's only directed bound bound to this point fantastic movie you like bound i haven't seen bound you never seen bound no max watch bound soon okay really really good china gershon smoking hot i've uh, heard jennifer tilly smoking you've taught you joey pants you've told he's, everyone he's about this it. multiple times on this podcast well, already <laughs> apparently it didn't stick hard enough because you haven't fucking watched them yet uh bounds really good definitely watch that um, um yeah uh, i love matrix reloaded and um revelations revelations despite their flaws they're movies that i but one of those Solid. goddamn albino twins in it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, they're movies that I saw in theaters growing up as a kid. Um, loved them. I saw them in theaters as well. I this today was my first time seeing seeing the, the first one in theaters. Matrix in theaters. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was eight um, years old. I was probably. A, I mean, there's nothing that bad, but I don't know. I just I didn't know I had to go see it in yeah, theaters. I, I guess when I was eight. When I saw the first Matrix, it was because you know like talking in school like a friend of mine had seen it, i was like you gotta watch this so i i watched it with my dad there's nothing like too horrible outside yeah, I must of the have violence watched it on a vhs yeah i, I absolutely have, I'm, did i'm sure i rented a vhs and watched this absolutely did and then um but to my original point here uh i love reloaded and revelations despite their flaws um matrix 99 is a movie I, I did it myself. I the Matrix. Say, you you That's were been just a yelling peeve. about Matrix 99. It's, I've been incepted into it. I hate it. I hate that people have been saying that. I hate that I just said it. The Matrix. 
is on my list of like perfect movies. I don't have yeah. any. I can, there's nothing I can objectively say is wrong with this movie. Yeah, I love it. I love it to death. It's it's great. And when I say the movie is perfect, it's it's within the confines of itself as well. Like it, it's not in reference to anything else. I don't have like oh, it did all of these things. But there's nothing I can really say. There's it's paced really well. The action scenes are great. There's clearly like a reverence for um a lot of like Hong Kong action movies sure. with the way they shoot all of the the fight sequences and Spe- stuff speaking of that on the topic of martial arts mm-hmm. one thing i can fault them for okay our characters we see them get uploaded every single like martial art everything it starts with uh, but the, they don't uh, do enough of the fighting well styles? no no no, oh. no i'm gonna make a stupid point don't don't okay. fi- don't fisher a point that makes sense um <laughs> it starts even with uh neo saying i'm gonna learn jujitsu and load jujitsu and kung fu and everything and he gets he, drunk he in boxing of, yeah he gets drunk in boxing which we never really see him use but so he has every single martial art all programmed into his brain we have now seen in the future that given enough time mma will evolve mostly into brazilian jujitsu this is what the ufc guys are doing one-on-one that's what it's all about is getting into grapples that's not what happens here I'm just saying, the one thing the Wachowskis couldn't plan was the evolution of mixed martial arts as a sport. Okay. Wow. That's my, that's my whole point. Okay. <laughs> I took my phone out in the theater to write down that note, failed to predict VJJ. <laughs> so I thought it needed to come up later. Um. I will point out, and I think it is worth pointing out, that the the reason that it has... Uh, this is actually a very fun trivia thing. The reason that it has such a reverence for uh, like Hong Kong-style action sequences is um, because it, the stunt coordinator was Wu Ping Yun. Uh, Yun? Yun? I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry. Oh. Who is a legendary they, what they work uh, stunt coordinator? He did um, work on The Grandmaster, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Fearless... Uh, Big uh, ones. Did stunts for Kung Fu Hustle. He's oh, been around right. forever. Um, basically, basically, the Wachowskis, who obviously grew up watching uh, all of those like Kung Fu movies, much like the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, said, we got to get Wu-Ping. We, like, he's got the, he's our guy. Do and Lily have ever met the Jizza and the Reza? Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. I would love to see them hanging out. I don't. I have not. I have no confirmation. Yo, I on really this. like your movie, Lana. <laughs> I have no confirmation on this, but I know in my heart of hearts that they have hung out. Yo, I fucking love Cloud Atlas. But basically, basically, they said we we gotta like this is our guy. He's got to be the stunt coordinator for it. He got a script. He liked it, but he didn't really want to do the movie. So he said, "Okay, well." I, I don't want to just outright turn them down because they seem nice. I do like their script. So I'm going to ask for just an outrageous sum of money. Uh, the Wachowskis both said, yeah, dude, you got it. Yeah. All yours. And he was like, fuck. <laughs> I got to do this. He's like, okay, I will still, I will do it. But in his head, he's like, all right, I'm going to like, I'm going to make like, like some sort of demand that's going to like turn them off. And he's like, I, 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 like, I'll do it for, like, this insane amount of money, but I want full control over the fight sequences. You can't, like, 
they're my fights. You can't give me any direction. I have full control. Um, and it's going to be with my guys. You can't bring anybody else. It's my crew. And, um, all of your actors have to train with me for four months or I'm not doing it. Like these are, these are my demands. And he thought for sure they're like going to say no way. And they're like, yeah, no, all of that. Cool. Yeah. You're and he's just like, okay, I'll do your movie. Uh, I just signed up for one of the most famous successful movies. Of all time. Yeah. It's, it, I, I love hearing stories about that kind of thing where it's like people like not, knowing you know clearly like not knowing that this is going to be like a massive cultural cornerstone yeah. for years to come yeah this movie made about 400 million at the box office on a 66 million dollar budget which that it's insane that this movie is, is 66 million dollars even 99 that's an insanely low budget for how fucking sick this movie is but i mean you know how much fucking money they made selling toys Making sequels, making the animatrix, sequels, animatrix, uh, just home home video. I'm alone. I'm assuming is fucking crazy. There's been what three like standalone video games, and then an MMO. Yeah. Um, it, all with like original voice actors and stuff. It's yeah, like, and yeah. like obviously the people Wach- love this universe. We're two of them. The Wachowskis themselves were able to like this just catapulted them into superstardom let them make all the stuff they want they can make a insane cloud atlas movie they can make the speed racer movie make anime into real life as it should be make fucking uh jupiter ascending a movie that's a mess and is still pretty good yeah it's um what would you say is probably like their their most successful thing after the matrix People Matrix. like talk Matrix about sequel or Cloud Atlas. Well, okay, no, not counting like the Matrix things. Cloud, Cloud Atlas, Atlas probably Atlas like probably. the one that's like most. I feel like everybody saw Cloud Atlas. I don't know a ton of people that have seen Jupiter Ascending. It, Jupiter Ascending also got absolutely panned, like it's destroyed pretty, by it's, everybody. It's okay. Probably, I, I think maybe Sense Eight is like really up there for them. It, it was yeah. a Netflix TV like, show. People like Sense Eight a lot, but that like day one had a massive cult following for it. Um, Wachowskis. Net, well, I mean, Netflix cancels everything. So, like, saying, like, oh, well, it failed on Netflix is not a barometer for whether or not a show yeah. did well or is well-liked. Everybody that, uh, like, people that I know that watched Sense8 yeah. love it. I should watch it, honestly. I want to watch it, I too. I the Wachowskis. Um, um, anyway, yeah. we got we to gotta start talking The Matrix. Opens up. Carrie Ann Moss, looking right. She's on a phone call with uh, uh, Joey Pants. He's already kind of betrayed them when you know this already. Uh, they track the uh, the agents track the call, track her location. You can kind of read between the lines. He's already working with them. Um, Joey Pants sets her up. Uh, so they're there. She has to fucking bust her way out. Kills all the cops. Evades the agents. Does a great job. Uh, just in the nick of time, avoids the big truck. Uh, smashing up the phone booth, she gets back out. Um, Man, Carrie Ann Moss in this movie loves to put her hand up to windows right before something bad happens to that window. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Love that, especially in a phone booth. Um, we uh, we cut into uh, fucking Keanu Reeves asleep on his desk. Uh, his computer's doing crazy stuff, and a message pops up, wake up Neo. Um, like, if you want to find out more about the Matrix, here you go. We see him. Uh, let's see. This is where he... Uh, 
the weird goths that he is selling hacked software to invite him to the club so he goes to the club what do you, what do you uh, think that software is for what do you think he's buying what's it what's on that floppy disk it's two thousand dollars 1999 $2,000. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You gotta think about how small a floppy disk is. Too. <laughs> um, you think it's not child porn? I don't think it's child porn. Okay, good. I don't want Neo being mixed up in that kind of thing. I hope it's not child porn. Yeah. I hope it's not a... I mean, it's a dark web deal, but I don't... Yeah. I hope it's not... I think it's like a tax fraud thing. Yeah, probably. I think he's trying to get around... Trying to, like, get either... Industrial goths do tax fraud, though? Maybe. Some of them do. I... My... <laughs> this is the dumbest fucking conversation we've had on this podcast by far. I think what it is, though, I don't think that's right. It's forged tax documents because he's got to hide. He needs he needs some sort of um like he needs to look like he has a legitimate source of income because he probably deals. Oh, you see, he says he does mescaline. It's the only way to fly. Yeah, he does mescaline. So he probably deals mescaline, yeah. but he needs. I say like. Were you, you making not all this money working at Forever 21? It's, it's definitely not a drug in vogue, even in 1999. No. Nobody's no. doing mescaline. Um, but yeah, he goes uh, He goes to the goth club. We get uh, industrial EDM <laughs> remix of Dragula playing. Uh, me and you both exchange the glance, kind of put our fists up in celebration right when Dr- Dragula plays. Yeah, I told um, you guys that was the only reason I was there. I actually left the theater. Yeah. Uh, everybody is drinking the Mexican beer Soul for some reason. Uh, <laughs> we see a billboard later. Soul clearly paid to be in this movie. That and maybe Duracell, but they when they show the Duracell nine volt later or uh, D battery later, he turns the uh, the label away. So maybe not. Um, yeah, clearly a Duracell yeah. battery. Trinity's there, just like hey uh morpheus we, we're gonna find you i'm trinity i'm uh uh everyone now knows this is common knowledge right that the wachowski said years later that uh this movie uh has like a big trans allegory um you're not if, who you are in the real world if you haven't if you don't know that it, by it, now it's man. so clear and if you haven't watched the matrix since realizing that right. the whole thing is trans coded queer coded whatever you want to like call it whatever the proper terminology i'm sorry if i'm not right. using it um it is beating you over the head yeah. with a fucking two-ton steel baseball when, bat. when neo meets trinity in the club uh she introduced herself to trinity She's, he's like the one who hacked into the IRS? She's like, that was a long time ago. It's like, I'm sorry, I just thought you were a guy. She says, most guys do. And, like, boom, we already got it. That's that's an innocuous enough line. Uh, before knowing that this movie contains a huge trans allegory. The, the big thing that I'll say that it, I think most people know, but maybe not, is the character Switch. Um, famously, the not like this line uh it sticks weird with everybody uh originally the wachowskis wanted her to be uh a male i forget which way but when their real i believe the real body outside of the matrix was a male and then when they go into the matrix becomes a female but studio said no no you can't do that well they were the the story i've heard it wasn't like you can't do that because we don't want 
sort of trans representation. They were worried that audiences. In the 90s, were, we didn't have that. No. A trans character was a joke at best. I, I believe there was like some sort of like, you know, it went through sort of like films, if you don't know, go through all kinds of like, um, what do you call it? Crowd testing nuts. What is sure. it? You know, they're, they're like running it by a bunch of different people to kind of say like, oh, hey, wait, yeah, if this character was this, what do you think it would? Um, I was thinking more of like, a, um, uh, like when you uh, get to try a product and then they have somebody come in and be like, what did you think about this product? Or like if you see the movie, yeah, it's workshop, test right? screenings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they were there was concern that audiences would be too confused. It was basically just oh, like because you'd be that's, seeing that's their way of saying we're not doing trans stuff in your movie about being trans. Maybe, but I mean, I I do think audiences probably would have been confused. I think it would have been a great like effect. I'm I'm hoping. I I I think I said this last week or two weeks ago or something. I I think there's a little bit of an element with uh, Matrix Resurrections of, um, is it Lana who's directing it? Because one of the sisters is not involved, necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's just Lana directing. Uh, I think work. there's a little bit of an element, which is something that we've seen in the past, like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, very famously, was kind of like, oh, now we have kind of like more of a budget and like a better technology to kind of do that. I think there's a little bit of... They had the budget. They, they Okay, yes, they had the budget, but they also had... We've already talked about No, this. Dan, but like... Like, don't shoot this down just by saying it, because you can't say that 30 years of technological advancement doesn't make it easier and more accessible to do ideas that lana may not yeah. have had in 1999 I, I, I assume we're gonna get we're the, gonna the trans the, switch character part, i mean it won't be switch, right. but switch yeah i i think I've, there's, I've already kind of thought I, I think we're gonna get that character i now. think there is an element with matrix resurrections of being able to go back now with 20 years of technological advancement and do some of the things that they probably wanted to do in 1999 but either was would have been even more expensive than the 66 million they got or just was not possible with what they did. We've right. seen it's happened a, a ton of times throughout now, history with now stuff like that. Has carte blanche to make whatever movie. Right, they want. exactly. They've their Lana Wachowski is a blank check director. Um they so she they, can go they, and do the that kind of stuff. like begged to get her back too. They yes. were both sisters back. Lily they I believe recently lost their parents and Lily's like I can't fucking make them yeah it was just not a good time i i do what since we've kind of broken from this i want to like point something out that i just realized by scanning imdb while we were talking uh ada nicodemo who plays du jour the character who has the white rabbit on her shoulder yeah that uh neo follows who is that no one but here's the thing no one that you would know she has nine actress credits Uh nine is still actively working. How is that possible, you ask? On a show. Well, right after The Matrix, in the year 2000, got cast on a show called Home and Away. What's Home and Away? Apparently it's an Australian soap opera, and Ada Nicodomo has done 2,026 episodes of it. Holy she has shit. been on the show since 2000 and is Damn. still on it today. Yeah, They shot most of this movie in Australia. Like, that is insane. Two thousand episodes of a fucking television show. Home and Away has been running since nineteen seventy seven, or I'm sorry, nineteen eighty eight. Whatever. She was born in seventy seven. That's in that is why that blew my mind. There's we can nothing, talk about the Matrix yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, every once in a while, the, the movie's mostly shot in Australia. <clears throat> 
especially mostly most of the action sequences i believe Mm -hmm. um so like you you'll randomly get like a cop in the lobby who tells them to freeze but has a weird accent yeah it's just because they're just getting guys in australia yeah clearly like supposed to be new york probably like Uh, where the, neo is the, based the big town whatever yeah it is. yeah it's in big city america that's right um all right so yeah he <laughs> got there this damn plot um he meets trinity da, 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 she doesn't pursue morpheus um is that oh yeah he wakes up from that and he's at his job he gets a fedex package it's a cell phone immediately rings when he opens it um it's morpheus on the phone giving him directions how to get out of there he pushes out so the agents take him in um awesome i mean we, we he's gonna say no he says fuck you he flips him off uh we get the uh classic image to me terrifying image of his mouth being closed mm-hmm. and then uh uh the little bug being placed into his uh navel uh, he wakes up at home, thinks it's all a dream, but uh, gets another call. If you really want to, uh, you're too important. Meet us under the bridge. They show up with the uh, uh, kitted out old Cadillac or whatever it is, but all black with the suicide doors. Like that car looks so fucking sick in this movie. It's it. It's seldom you see suicide doors. People call suicide doors when they mean like Lambo doors or something. Mm-hmm. Suicide doors are the ones that like both the back door open of each other yeah. yeah oh man they're so fucking cool used by uh mobsters it's like a monster thing because you could uh open the door and then hang out the side with, and be Tommy and cat. face back so that you could shoot yeah. at the caps and then used by other people after that because it looks because cool it looks cool yeah. yeah that car is sick as fuck it's so i'm not cool. even a car guy and that like shit it's is same, wild dude. uh Bunch of very different style from Dark City in that um Dark City is that sort of like um pseudo, you know, futuristic yeah, yeah, um uh art nouveau in times. Um The Matrix is much more of a cyberpunk sort of future. Um, but both both films equally dripping in their own style, like everything is yeah. super stylistic. Especially when, like, once the characters start going back into the Matrix and they're kind of like the perfect versions of uh, their selves or, you know, like whatever, like their image and they're like their minds. I, everyone's wearing leather. Fuck. Trinity looks sick as fuck when they go back in to go, like, do the Oracle thing and she's wearing that, like, leather dress thing with the sleeves and the, uh, the pants and. It, it's what, so what, cool. What better time it's than so now cool. to do Hottie of the Week? uh carrie ann moss of course nominated for the matrix uh jennifer connelly nominated for dark city jennifer connelly an all-time babe for me damn she's good looking i think i got a thing for eyebrows maybe (laughs) but you can't beat trinity herself are you kidding me trinity oh my god dude just that image of dodge this her holding the gun up in that insane mm. close-up, like, of the gun. Oh, boy. Trinity, Carrie Moss, congratulations. You're so good. The, the Matrix, She's so fucking tough. She's so fucking cool. I'm sure God this is, damn. like, a thing for, like, a ton of people. And I'm not necessarily talking about, like, a sexual awakening thing. Like, The Matrix, so many of us, 
who are you know like you and i just we talked about it like you and i probably saw the matrix for the first time when we were like eight or nine maybe 10 because like somewhere around there the sequels didn't come out until 2003 2004 definitely before the sequels came out um somewhere in that age range so like that is definitely like a formative like so influenced kind of like being into like goth aesthetic in high school and then all like sure all kinds of different shit like very formative movie for a lot of different reasons did it take off in two when we get uh the scion uh big orgy sex scene Mm -hmm. and then um what's that italian actress's name the merovingian's wife oh um sophia something yeah, I'll look it up yeah. here. Oh, oh, oh boy, howdy. <laughs> oh boy, howdy. <laughs> yeah, dude, she looking right in that tight-ass <laughs> leather yeah. white <laughs> dress. Yeah, teaching Monica Neo Bellucci. about... Yeah, t- uh, teaching Neo about werewolves and stuff. Yeah, werewolves, <laughs> watching a lady eat a cum cake. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> We'd save it. Wrong movie. God, we're getting off track today. Um... Yeah, so we get, uh, uh, they trust Neo now enough to bring him to Morpheus. We meet for the first time. Uh, Morpheus explains that the world he knows isn't the real world. I'm, I'm really holding back just calling every scene iconic because yeah, literally every, every scene in this movie yeah. is I iconic. I mean, how many, the amount of movies that just straight ape scenes from this constantly. Uh, we talked about when the new Space Jam came out and they're doing the Matrix and they're doing like the bullet time and stuff and it's like this isn't even like directly referencing the matrix this is referencing like for people who would be watching space jam age appropriately they're aware of these things as people riffing on the matrix yeah (laughs) not even the matrix itself yeah if you're a child watching the new space jam you're just like oh what like you you're not realizing that what they're doing is this is where that that stuff originated from Yeah. yeah yeah um but uh, yeah, one of the, one of the biggest scenes um, is uh, Morpheus offering the red pill or the blue pill. Neo, of course, takes the red pill. What and, a phenomenal uh, shot of uh, Morpheus's hands reflected in his own oh, yeah, glasses with the pills and the two. You've got literally like the two realities separated yeah. in the lenses. We, we've, we've got another excellent so cool. one, like the exact scene later. Scene later in the. Uh, uh, simulation program the woman with the red dress and it turns into agent smith and he's got a gun to neo's head and we're seeing morpheus explain the situation and the the gun to neo's head is in both sunglasses uh lenses and man you using those reflective lenses to their fullest potential good good on you sissies yep. um but uh yeah he uh it's time dude they wake him up in the matrix uh or outside outside of the matrix he, the uh, real world he uh, wakes up in that uh, bath of goo, confused as hell once again, Gets uh, uh, swims through a mile of shit, and comes out the other side clean. They get him on the Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they explain all the rules, everything. Um, a little while later, training starts up. We start loading in all the combat. I talked about uh, Morpheus is trying to teach him both the rules, the rules of the Matrix and that the rules exist to bend and break. Um, at some point we find out he's the prophesized the one uh, who could uh, free humanity by stopping the whole thing um, we see what earth looks like now um, no civilization left humans only live in 
one stronghold city zion way underground near the earth's core where it's still warm because we scorched the sky um a couple movies later one of the best scenes in any movie ever is when uh trinity and neo finally fly up past the scorched skyline and see the blue sky for the first time man holy shit i love that uh not talking about that movie though (laughs) um so what happens next it's it's kind of just we gotta get the montage of stuff um, different training you yeah there's they they do like a bunch of acupuncture on uh neo because they need to like rebuild his muscles uh he asks like why his eyes hurt and morphine's like you're using them for the first time so this is kind of like the montage sequence we find out about the uh we're introduced to the concept that they can upload trading sequences. We talked about, you know, the, oh, the, the again, he iconic, every martial art. Yeah. iconic, uh, I know Kung Fu yeah. kind of thing. So that culminates in um, Neo and Morpheus having their fight because uh, Morpheus comes to check in on Tank, who is their operator, uh, who has been like kind of uploading Neo with all of these different programs. And uh, Morpheus is like, how is he doing? And Tank's like, oh, he's been at it for 10 hours. The guy's a machine. And Morpheus is like, I'm going to go fight him. <laughs> Loads himself into the Matrix, and that's kind of where we're starting to get introduced to the kind of concept of why the people who have already been in and out of the Matrix several times can do, like, jump really far and move fast and do all these things is because once you realize that what you're doing is part of a computer simulation, you can break the rules. Morpheus explains it. He's like, you need to realize that this is like any other computer platform or computer program. Like rules can be bent and some rules can even be broken. You just need to like kind of, uh, whatever you need to like free your mind from those like stuff. And then we, they have like their first fight sequence. Morpheus does his little, uh come here come here thing yeah. that again just did not at the risk of just saying iconic a million times has become its own thing um i love that fight like whooping Yoon does such a good job there's so many like things where it's like if you're familiar with martial arts and like not just martial arts as like a fight fighting style kind of thing but like martial arts movies they're doing so many things that are like specific like body movement that are like references to other martial artists and like kung fu movies and stuff like bruce lee stuff um there's a part where he's getting his ass beat uh by agent smith later where he stands up and does the like whole body flex it shakes all the dirt off him i'm like mm -hmm. oh i see bruce lee do this shit it's just wild it's so good um Um, but everybody kind of has everybody's kind of starting to believe he really is the one yeah, the whole crew is like watching are, them fight now. Other people are like, eh, I don't know yet. So they load up, um, the next software they load up is the jump program. Yeah. And they're like, some of them are basically being like, well, what if he makes it the first time? Because apparently no one has made it the first time. It's yeah. one of the, it's it's all about, you know, freeing your mind and saying, I'm in a computer sur- software. So if I want to jump 300 yards, I can jump 300 yards. Um, and Neo fails. So now some of the crew are like, eh, maybe he's not who morpheus thinks he is but we're not sure yet um so we got to go to the oracle to find out uh go into the matrix uh taken to the oracle the one who uh prophesized that there would be a uh, resurrection of the one max is hardcore picking popcorn kernels out of his mouth we all have popcorn (laughs) 
<laughs> you look funny. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Oracle is great. She's a nice little black lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic. Um, uh, don't don't mind about the vase. And he says, "What vase?" Immediately knocks over a vase. It breaks. I love the. Uh, uh, he's like, "How did you know I was going to break that?" She said, "Oh, what's really going to cook your noodle later?" She said, "Bake your bake your noodle later." Is would you have knocked it over if I hadn't said anything? And then we move right past that. It's great. Yeah, but she can see the future. Tells him, "Yeah, you're actually not the prophesized uh, the one. It's not you." Yeah. So, I, oh, I, I think I knew it the whole time. I kind of really like keyed in on this time that she does kind of leave it open ended because she doesn't just say you're not the one. She leaves it open that like there's like a potential that he could right. be, he could become the one, but she says you're you're waiting on something you're you you might be and she also leaves it for him to say that he's not the one right she said you're thinking i'm about to say what you've been thinking the whole time which i i'm not the one i enjoy that that that's kind of like a it it kind of like and i I can't remember specifically again the sequels get so muddled whether or not this is like cleared up but that it's a little twist on the kind of chosen one uh trope of saying that it's not about who neo is it's that he is someone who has the potential to reach further into this like sort of state of mind to like reach outside of the rules of the matrix it it it, it becomes implied later too that maybe agent smith is the one Mm -hmm. um he doesn't care about saving humanity he just wants to get the fuck out of the matrix because humans smell bad yeah (laughs) that it's always been so gross so sick in this movie the when he wipes his hand all the sweat off of morpheus's head and like shoves Shoves it it into his nose very um very kind of gross in a lot of ways scene and it's meant to be so it's (laughs) it's effective um what else happens next so we're uh it's it's kind of this is like the um Oh, that's what pops everything off is right after yeah, the Oracle is where, when Cypher betrays them. We're we're kind of like full in the climax now. We've we've Wait. gotten the scene where Cypher is eating the steak, talking we, about how he knows the steak isn't real. I mean, uh, what, what a classic scene. It's dude. a great scene. Joey Pants is so good. He's so, so perfect in this role. As we're going to meet the Oracle, um, Cypher like drops a, a phone in a trash can so that the agents can track it to like them and they get kind of like all set up. The Oracle also tells Neo that um, not only are you not the one, but Morpheus, who believes so strongly that you are the one, is going to sacrifice himself for you. And now you have to decide whether or not you're going to die or Morpheus is going to die. One of you will die. That is like kind of the Oracle presents it as being non-negotiable. So now as they're trying to get out, they realize that they've been made they you know they've got to find this exit and kind of like we get a big action set piece of like the kind of thing all culminating in morpheus sacrificing himself so that the rest of the group can get away but then cypher who has betrayed them gets out first he um attacks tank and dozer back in the real world on the nebuchadnezzar and kind of takes over the operator's chair he starts unplugging people he starts unplugging what's, people what's the one's name is not switch do you remember his name his name is uh epoch or epoch apoc apoc yeah um unplugs those two we get the absolutely classic not like this right as switch dies um 
But, uh, hey, Tank's not all dead. Bounces back. Yep. Kills the shit out of Joey Pants with the whatever weird ray gun thing they got. So now Neo, Trinity, and Tank are back on the Nebuchadnezzar in the real world. They're kind of going over this whole thing where they realize that the the agents are torturing Morpheus and they're if if they're successful they they will get the code the like access codes to uh Zion. Zion's mainframe and be able to completely like, wipe out all of humanity wiped out. yeah that's Smith's Smith's like main goal um he makes the other agents leave so he can confess like uh, I just the smell of these humans I hate it here. I just want this to be done, and if I get the Zion, I can. I am not in this fucking matrix anymore. So it's a great monologue. So I have him, to get it. It's him, great. Him talking about that, they do. They do a really good job writing it because it's it's a computer program saying I hate the smell or whatever I think smell, smell might is, be yeah. or like whatever whatever this thing is that you might call a stench yeah. is i hate it so much he's like and he afraid that it's like permeating it's a great performance yeah. it's, uh, man i love it he's afraid that it's like permeating into his own like being yeah. um so back on the real world tank is like look we got to make the hard decision we got to we got to unplug morpheus we got to kill him because yeah, they're Zion's, gonna they Zion's will more break important him. than anything. Yeah. Uh, and and that's when Neo, uh, kind of starts to. He doesn't necessarily believe himself that he's the one, and he hasn't told anyone that. Like, uh, I think this is when he tells people that the Oracle told him that he's not the one. Yeah. But he kind of is just like, he's like, no, we'll go and save him, and they're like, no one's ever done this, and he he kind of plays on the like, well, if you guys think I'm the one, yeah. then like it, you got to at least let me try, it's, right? Yeah, so a, a big thing I kind of forget about this movie because two thirds of the Matrix movies I've watched now, agents are like fightable and beatable, but how fucking insanely deadly agents are in one, yeah. where they're saying nobody who's ever faced an agent has survived before. He's his idea is going to face the agents, so uh, crazy. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you think of the dozens of Agent Smith fight in two. I think in two, um, that yeah 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 I forget how insanely deadly it is the idea of just Neo and Trinity going to uh, face them and get yeah it, Larry, it's, Larry Fish back. It's presented as a suicide mission yeah. with like the real is basically being like okay well like let us go try and if we don't make it then Neo and Trinity die and Tank you just pull the plug on Morpheus and like no harm no foul we're back to where we would have been if we just pulled the plug on him now um so we get the other uh, the scene where neo's like i need lots of guns and just a bunch of rows of guns guns lots of guns right behind trinity there's a big row of tommy guns which i thought was funny like clearly not what you're gonna pick (laughs) um and then it's all action from here on out yeah the biggest gunfight of the movie the lobby of the uh building where morpheus is kept Mm -hmm. going crazy blasting everybody newfound abilities everybody's cool in their leather dusters and stuff the trinity and neo (laughs) fight the agent on the roof where you get the bending backwards to dodge the bullets thing the so so played out passe because of how many things have ripped riffed on it um i leaned over to kool-aid after it happened and said uh oh, it's weird they copied that scene from kung pao into the fist yeah with the cow <laughs> so stupid um, i hate that scene 
Um, but yeah, it's great. In the Trini movie. does so the dodge sick. this thing, kills one of the agents. Um, Learns how to fly a helicopter because she gets it loaded in from tank, which is great. They fly it out there. Neo blasts all the agents with a big fucking chain gun. Uh, is able to save Morpheus by Morpheus. You know, can't quite make the jump because he gets shot in the leg as he's running out. So Neo dives out of the helicopter to catch him. him. Catches uh, Trinity falling out of the helicopter as it's falling out of the sky, and everybody's like, "Oh fuck, he is the one." So. They're able to, they get in contact with Tank, they find an exit at some old subway station and run down there. Uh, Morpheus is able to get out, uh, Trinity is about to get out, um, but try, kind of stops to tell Neo something that she's been holding back. It's yeah. what the Oracle told her, but uh, is kind of sucked back into the real world um, just as Agent Smith uh, shows up and destroys the phone. You get the uh, fight in the uh, subway tunnel um, between... Big, big crazy fight. Neo's getting his ass kicked, but he's kicking ass right back. He's, he starts to, as Morpheus puts it, he starts to believe because mm-hmm. he's he's able to hold his own in hand-to-hand combat with an agent. He uh, manages to kill, in quotations, that Agent Smith by uh, tackling him. Or, uh, Smith tackles him in front of the train. They're both going to die, but... Uh, Neo flex and bust out basically yeah. and just Smith uh, gets smashed. Have you seen the um the kind of fan edit of that fight scene where every time Neo goes to punch Agent Smith, it's blocked and then does the like little hand chop into his throat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very funny. So yeah, funny. Yeah, if yeah. I remember to, hopefully I'll remember to by saying this, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's a very funny video. It's it's a great video. It's I'll a put video the... I don't even know if I would be able to find because it's something that's maybe I just like saw on Twitter or something and I won't be able to find it, but Hopefully it's got some SEO that we can yeah. that clip. Yeah, because <laughs> that's a that's a great clip. It is. It because it, it's it it plays like the normal fight scene, and it gets to that thing, and then just every single time, and you're yeah. just. It's one of the ones when you see it the first time. If you haven't seen the Matrix in a while, you're not sure. It's so well edited that you it it takes a moment to realize that you're wa- you're watching yeah. a joke edit of it, this fight. There's a similar really good edit. Uh, it's actually a Birthday Boys video you know the terminator 2 one where uh it's it's the t1000 coming after them and uh except it's the part where um his gun is on the other side of the jail bars and so he has to uh like turn the gun into his body or whatever it is or no he can't turn the gun into his body because they explain he can't make complicated weapons or whatever but it's just Oh, he keeps it just keeps, going back and it forth. It keeps cutting away, and it'll cut back to him, and he's just struggling to pull the gun through, and it just <laughs> finishes out the movie. <laughs> Everyone's happy. It's, it's just called like two minute Terminator Two cut or something. It's, I'll, man, I'll it's, put the I'll link that in link, there too. Link that too it has yeah. nothing to do with this movie, but similar. We talked about it. Funny, yeah. Um, so Neo is able to kill Agent Smith, who. Again, the train stops immediately and Agent Smith just gets off of it because yeah. the agents can just become... They're just computer programs who can yeah. take over anybody within the Matrix at any point. Um, Get a big-ass chase scene. Uh, Neo's, like, on the phone with Tank, who's, like, giving him, like, directions on, like, where to turn. He's... he's The, the agents keep switching into, like... Like, if he runs past them, they switch into the next person on the yeah, block. Yeah, which is, like, really, really cool. fun use of that sort of yeah. ability they have. Then uh, 
you think Neo's gonna make it out. He's gotten he's gotten to where Tank has told him to go, and he opens the door, and Agent Smith is there and just starts blasting him in the yeah. chest with his big fucking deagle. Like unloads a deagle yeah. into him, and oh, he's dead. And you're like, damn, he's gonna die. We should also mention that uh, the Nebuchadnezzar in real life is being attacked by Sentinels this oh, yeah, entire yeah, time, yeah, which the were, were these squid-like um, machines that patrol the sewers yeah. um, in the real world, and they're kind of holding off detonating their emp because neo is not out yet the emp will shut down the entire ship as well as the sentinels but neo's not out and they don't they're trying to hold out as long as they can and um neo's dead yeah he, he fully dies he's, he's fully dead lines. and that's when trinity in the real world comes up to neo in his little chair that he's plugged in and explains to him that he can't be dead because the oracle has told her the thing that she's been trying to tell him this like for almost the entire movie now um that the Oracle has told her that, that, that she will fall in love with a man and that man will be the one. So Neo can't be dead because she is in love with him. She quite literally gives him the kiss of life. and uh, He's back and he's fucking charged up, baby. He's back and he's just like there. The agents shoot at him. He stops the bullets in midair. Kind of like uh, picks them up. Another really famous scene. Just yeah. stopping the bullets in front of him. Picks one up, examines it. All of them fall out of the air. Agent Smith charges him and he does the fight where he's like just effortlessly yeah. blocking it puts and a hand behind puts his a hand back behind just his to back. show off like just a, a flex yeah um and then agent smith's just like well fuck like okay i gotta get out of here neo like punches him like back away uh and then d- dives into his body <laughs> yeah. explodes it from the inside <laughs> out like neo fully destroying the code. smith yeah uh which then uh we learn in the sequels has freed smith from the confines of the uh the matrix itself yeah. just like neo that's and what gives him the potential to also be the one from yeah. another uh vantage point or something. um yeah. the other agents kind of look at each other and say we got to get the fuck out of here oh, we better run yep <laughs> neo uh gets back to the phone and they detonate the DMP, emp just in time oh. uh everybody's safe and then we get the little kind of voiceover thing at the end with neo kind of setting up the the sequels and the reveal that he can fly he's that free he's, he's gonna the break all the rules yeah he can just fly around now. Mm-hmm. uh which then gets used liberally <laughs> in yeah. the sequels he kind of just flies wherever he wants to. Oh, I, wouldn't you yeah, yeah, I, yeah would. I would i would uh incredible movie it's fantastic classic yeah what, I'm gonna tell people to go watch The Matrix. Of course, no, yeah, you it, haven't watched The Matrix. Uh, do go and watch Dark City, though. That oh, is, yeah, go, that, go check out Dark City. Yeah, that absolutely. is one that I would also say is a bona fide classic. It's definitely like a cult film on its own right. It doesn't. I don't think it has the recognition that it deserves in like a broader audience. Clearly, people reference it all the time from filmmaking perspectives and stuff. It's got its foothold um, in its own right. But if you haven't seen Dark City, go watch yeah. it. it. It's 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 very very good it i mean it, it definitely holds its own against the matrix like it, they're they're both great movies agreed quick guy of the week can't believe i ever forgot him at any point it's of course mouse himself matt doran i didn't recognize him a couple weeks ago when he was private coombs in thin red line i of course recognize him in this where he's talking about how does your brain know what uh cream of wheat or whatever it is was supposed to taste like maybe it tastes like tuna fish maybe they messed up chicken because and that's why chicken tastes like everything 
He's having fun. But, of course, I'm bringing him up because he is, of course, in one of my other favorite movies, Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones. He is, of course, Ellen Sleazebagano, uh, more commonly referred to as Death Sticks Guy. <laughs> <laughs> but just between Mouth, uh, Mouse and uh, Ellen nope. Sleazebagano, man, what a fucking career for this guy. This, he... I don't know what he's up to. He seems like he'd be a king of comic cons off those two characters alone. Probably. Uh, right? I would love to get his. I don't really go to comic cons. It's not really my bag, but I would love to get the autograph of Matt Doran, dude. Uh, congratulations. You're my guy of the week this week. He was week, in Matt a movie Doran. last year, apparently. Oh, good. Good for him. I'm glad yeah. he's working. Um, yeah. 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 Anything else we got for these movies? I mean, what can you say about the fucking uh, no, Matrix? I'm not it's gonna, the Matrix. Yeah, I I'm can't not wait s- for four. You'll very soon be hearing my uh, what you've been watching uh, take on hopefully how much I love four and how it lives up to everything uh, I'm expecting. I, I honestly like from the trailers and stuff and like this isn't so just like ta- talking from like a nostalgic standpoint. It looks so much better than I legitimately thought yeah. that it would we watched um, we saw the trailer twice in big screen today yeah. <laughs> they played it as a normal trailer and then like it's like a special thing leading like into the before movie. the movie itself started very weird uh yeah we saw, saw the whole thing in its entirety twice um yeah i'm not there don't really need to beat the drum to tell people to goddamn matrix man yeah but do go watch dark city again um it deserves to be watched um if you know me personally, you can borrow my Blu-ray. I've got it on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, but besides that, thank you for listening to the episode. Um, if you'd like to follow us on social media, we are at Doubled Feature on Twitter, Doubled Feature on Instagram. You can send us an email, doubledfeaturepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Dan and I both personally on uh, Letterboxd and Twitter. Dan is at Danny Jankum. I am at Mac underscore dead. You can kind of follow along with our reviews of the movies as we watch them and all of the other stuff that we might talk about on what you've been watching and stuff like that. Uh, I'd like to thank Ryan at Ryan Laser on Twitter for our theme music and Sam at Hero Institute for our logo. Uh, if you would um, also please go and rate, review, subscribe to the podcast everywhere that you can. Um, it will help us out to kind of grow the audience and get more people listening to it. Have it fun. Katie, I don't, you've listened to the episode so many fucking times. Like why please tell other people about it um, as well. Word of mouth helps out. Tell your friends, get your friends to listen to it. Um, and that's that's it that's that's all i got dan any do you have final words for the, the people at home yeah let me leave them on uh, one of the most famous quotes from this movie do not try and bend the podcast that's impossible instead only try to realize the truth there is no podcast there is a podcast and you're listening to it Yeah.